How many Rome puppies? Rome puppies. A whole litter? Oh, I, don't, I don't like that term. Oh, never mind. Sorry. Can we pick anything else? Uh, anything else? I just thought about Roman birthing like nine puppies. <laughs> He's laying on his side with eight enormous swollen nipples and a bunch of like... <laughs> and everything's slippery. Like, like there's nothing that's not slippery. Tongue's that's lolling out on godly lengths. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> How Every many... one of those puppies has Justin's face. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of sweet, sweet, unholy thing is this? <laughs> Bring it by the sound wall. Perfectly Acceptable Comics Place podcast, episode 49. Wow. I think we could call this the season premiere of season two. I think so. I think, I think, yeah. I think that's where we're at. Um, where, uh, you know, the, the routine's still the same. Every Tuesday we go pick up a whole bunch of books and we bring them back here and sort them and count them and talk about them and file them. And sometimes you're down a person because they're on a different side of the state and you're, you have to realize that you're no longer down a person. That's just the new state of your life. Um, and then you pick a bunch of the books that you're excited about after that revelation and you guys all take the books home and you, you read them and you get excited about them and then you come back. Um, you further discuss which ones excited you and, and then you come up to this, this special room, the playground, the sandbox, um, and, uh, and we record a little podcast in which we uh, th- throw snowballs at one another. Um, in the pod box. In the pod box. The pod, pod town. Pod balls. Um, so, yeah, episode 49. Guys, I'm Jeff. I'm Django. I'm Colette. And I'm Roman. Wait. Where's Justin? That's a Justin good question. sounds like Colette. We'll have to keep we'll have to keep musing over where Justin is. Colette, are you a new identity of Justin's? Wow. <laughs> Justin, this is a real different voice. <laughs> Bill had a little bit of an operation. <laughs> a forced operation. Um, now he's uh, Julianne Moore. Oh, <laughs> instead like, of Owen Moore. Like Owen Moore. <laughs> Julianne. Ju- Julie Owen Moore. Good, good. Um, guys, this week we're going to be talking about Marvel Legacy number one. Also, Action Comics number 988. Detective Comics 965. Infamous oh, Southern Bastards number 18, actually. And we'll probably talk about a little bit other, little, little bit of other jazz, jazz tunes. I think before we get into that, though. Yes. Colette. Who you? Who you? Hey. Oh, hey there. What's up? Hey, what's going on? Not much. Just hanging out in the in the sandy in the sandbox. The sand um, Yeah, I got sand in my toes. Um, <laughs> Better than other places. Yeah, I got so sand. Let, you don't want to nowhere. Let's let's make sure anybody who doesn't come in here all the time knows who you are. Um, they've heard you in interludes on the podcast. You were here <clears> last <throat> week talking to Justin. Um, how long you been working at the store? How did you what? start working at the store? How long you been coming to this shop? All very good questions <laughs> that I wasn't prepared to think of numbers for. Um, yeah, I, uh, I have been working here for a little over a year and a half, yeah. I think. Yeah, it was I believe I know, that. February that last year, however okay. much that adds up to. Um, 
But yeah, I work such like specific shifts that I still to this day have people coming in. Oh, are you new? I'm yeah. Like, to you. So you have a really, really, you have a, a nice life structure in that you are here sometimes, and then you have a life outside of here that you go and live. Yeah, except for both of those lives kind of resent the other. Oh. Because both sides want to have more time for being in their little world. Like, I, a little more time in the comics place world would be a lovely thing. A little more time in my other little world. But I could of, give you another day. I could put you on I just took on, on another day. <laughs> I could, too. We'll see you how that a goes. More? <laughs> um, dude, Marvel. Can we talk about Marvel? You guys, Marvel Legacy came in here. Uh, this is written by Jason Aaron, and largely the art was done by Asad Ribic and Steve McNiven. Are we this talking about... The... Oh, sorry. Yeah, no. Can I interrupt? Oh, I please. think we forgot a couple things. Yeah. Content? Did, well, did you mention, mention the comings oh. and goings of our lives? So we come up to this here sandbox, <laughs> this, this hallowed sandbox, and we all sit here together in the sand wearing filthy, filthy diapers and constructing <laughs> weird keys out of Play-Doh. That was a straight-up Rugrats reference. Oh. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, and, and we, we come back here to talk to all of you wonderful folks, but, um, mm-hmm. but also primarily to talk to each other um, so we can actually talk to each other because at this point, between two stores and eight days a week, it's that yeah. often. Mm-hmm. Um, and we and engage in a variety of tangents about the books, uh, about the store, or about the comings and goings of our lives. Yay. And, uh, I just and love hearing you say that. <laughs> oh, that's one of the only things that stayed consistent throughout this entire podcast, except for when I forget to say it. Now, I have a question. Go on. If I haven't read one of the books that we're talking oh. about today, is things going to be spoiled Depends. for me? How do you feel mm. about is, content? do I have good grammar? Mm. Uh, none of us. <laughs> so if you, if, you, if you do, like Colette just brought up, if you, are, if you consider content <clears throat> sacred, um, we're going to spoil the shit yeah. out of some content. So this is your content warning. So, Colette. Yes, Django. I hope you're okay with having all these books spoiled if you haven't read them yet. I, I will be okay. <laughs> I got really okay with spoilers at some point in the last two years. I have a yeah. couple books that I don't like spoiled, but yeah, yeah. I'm largely, largely at peace with it. I'm yeah. much more yeah, about mostly. the process of enjoying things. If I know the end already, it just mm-hmm. means I get to focus on what's in the moment of what I'm reading or, yeah. or watching or whatnot. And never really been one to care too much about spoilers. Yeah. Though, there was a big event in this that I didn't manage to have spoiled to me by the internets that I was very relieved to, yeah, to, to read in the moment. That was pretty awesome hearing, Should we hearing just you say, say that it? today. Yeah, let's well, just say we, Colette, give me that content. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> dude driving a semi full of beer hits a little runt frost giant, and who does it turn out to be? I mean... One forearm shows up, and I was Content like, oh, my name. God. Oh, it's going to be him. And <clears throat> our one, our only true Logan shows back up. And I was I was reading this at, like, 1 a.m. last night Did with my husband pump? asleep next to me. And I went, <gasps> hands in the air, so excited. Uh, you should probably know that I have a weird emotional attachment to Logan and probably get more excited than anyone else so will, uh, but it's 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 the the comics place perfectly accessible podcast but you can also refer to it as daddy issues podcast yeah um, <laughs> which and... is what i realized after we named Moonbase. Moonbase should have been the name daddy, daddy, daddy issues yeah, daddy issues that's a really really good idea <laughs> um yeah we all have those <clears throat> yeah. so basically this issue written by jason aaron drawn by steve McNiven and isad ribic um is 
the equivalent of DC Rebirth from a year ago, year and a half ago. It's the the industry, that company, getting sort of aware of the fact that their quality has declined a lot, and and they're going going back to hopefully revitalize a bunch of the lines. So this issue um, is sort of a framework for what's coming um, in the larger Marvel story, but it also then functioned. There was just like five-ish like little interludes that uh, each related to a new series that's going to be starting up with the Marvel Legacy initiative. I mean, they do this after every big event, basically. They do this little, like, Marvel always does this little sampler platter <laughs> yeah. of, of here's kind of some of the changes, here's some of the characters we're going to be focusing on. Like, it was the Oath after um, Civil, War. Civil War II, and I don't remember the name of the one after Secret Wars, but usually they're just kind of crap yeah <laughs> i mean like the, the oath issues. was okay it's yeah it's just like it's two pages of an issue yeah. and it really doesn't tell you anything but it's supposed to tease you this to me actually had way more of a plot well than yeah it i mean like does. i think that that's just like if you let jason aaron write it like yeah. it, it it can't dip below a certain quality because he's just one of the finest ones out there i didn't know who was writing this oh really um yeah, because it, it doesn't tell you anywhere on the cover or anywhere in the first handful of pages. because you got an 18-page fold-out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at some point, I think around the second time the – or when, when Loki shows up, I was like, this feels like Jason Aaron. Oh, two pages in, I was like, I think this is Aaron. All this. Feels like Jason Aaron. Yeah. Yeah, the, the prehistoric stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Neolithic. Or Neolithic? That's New Stone Age. The Stone Age. Yeah, what was the Stone Age? Uh, yeah, the Stone Age. The Stone Age yeah. Avengers, basically. I thought that was so awesome. With the mammoth mm-hmm. riding that Ghost Rider. I yeah. hate that you only get one panel of that mammoth and it's dead. And I was just like, oh, no. that cute, cute yeah. mammoth. Yeah. Um, How big can something be before it's not cute anymore? I don't know. I think that there's that weird little possible. dipping zone where it's no yeah. longer cute, but then you get to a certain size and it becomes real cute again. Yeah, this, oh, the true. Celestial's pretty cute cause yeah. just because it's colors. Purple yeah, and, and it green, doesn't have a some face. red. It's yeah. a cool-looking celestial. Yeah, it is. Celestials uh, in general. Yeah. Um, but the I guess the big thing was that Marvel had said that a, a long-lost character that everyone's missed is going to come back. And I knew that going into it, but I thought like maybe it was going to be Jean Grey. Maybe it was going to be Charles Xavier. Yeah, may, I mean, any number of characters. The fact that it was Wolverine, I was super happy it was Wolverine. But at the same time, we've had Old Man Logan. We've had all-new Wolverine. And we've had the, his son from the Ultimate Universe. It hasn't really felt like we've not had Wolverine. See, I've kind of felt that, and then I read the Generations mm-hmm. issue that was that was fine. It was kind of a throwaway story. Was that this week? No, it was okay. Like a month ago. We we're now trying or to remember something. what the it's, second Generations book this week was. It it was um, Miles Morales and Peter Parker and the Captains. The Captains, yeah. The Captains, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, reading that Generations with Laura and Logan, I was like, I got actually emotional reading it because I didn't realize how much I missed that Logan. I do love him. Like old man Logan is great, yeah. but it's just not the same. Yeah, and it yeah, uh, this Logan rides like uh, the perfect balance of being like father type but also being an equal, whereas old man Logan just yeah. kind of goes into the father type character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just the moment when he puts his beer inside the dead yeah. frost giant <laughs> to keep it cold, I was like, that is, I'm not afraid that you're going to screw up the Logan that I love. Like, that's, okay, I'm there. Um, what I found more exciting than Logan returning was that the big end of it and what you find about the, the narrator of this whole issue is is Valeria. 
um, it's Val, the oh, yeah. Little Miss Fantastic, uh, yeah. and it's her and Franklin, and they're at the they're at the end of the cosmos doing exactly what they said they were going to do at the end of Secret Wars, which they're just building new universes and exploring them and calling each other Farthead. That's what those two <laughs> yeah. always do, um, and I love that. I love those two characters, but to me. Um, the Fantastic Four has been missing, and I love the Fantastic Four, and, and I've really missed them. Those were the real big punches. It seems like uh, an oncoming host of Celestials is the big overarching threat. Yeah, the final host. And then uh, also looks like we've got an infi- in Loki's after an Infinity Gym. So it, it, they did a lot of storytelling in one issue. Mm-hmm. So, and, and this is not continuing, right? So this is uh, one shot, mm-hmm. one and done. So are we to assume that all of these are going to continue in the individual books? Yeah, there's a little yeah. cheat sheet in the back that references what each of those little sets of characters that we read about are going to do. Say, and I think I they think even so. had like the artist for them doing it. Yeah, yeah, like this Thor page, that's the Mighty Thor artist, and yeah. that's referencing stuff that's going on in that title now and is going to happen with, with Mangog. Yeah. yeah, which I love how much that one page got me more excited than four or five pages of ghostwriter or yeah. just yeah. so many other books will do that like this one page has so much build up in it and so yeah I no i totally made agree. me want to go but, read more thor exactly and <laughs> and that's exactly what i did after reading this um but that single page just like you said like that's just Dowderman's art like you just Ugh. you're like god i love that dude's art and nobody else does art like him um okay so if if i can get kind of like deep in the industry of comics for a second yeah we just did the order for uh things coming out in december right Mm -hmm. and we have the previews for things coming out in january i haven't looked through that but i'll bet that there's not a wolverine series offered in there there's an old man logan but there's not a wolverine series so here's wolverine he's in this he's he's in it for like five pages do we have to wait five months before we get a Wolverine series or is he going to kick Laura out or is he going to hang out with X-Men purple or something? Like what's, where I mean, do we, where do we see Logan? I mean, I'm guessing they're going to make the most of him and have him go visit every single book that they can possibly get him in yeah. for a while. There, People aren't but... reading totally awesome Hulk. Let's get a Wolverine cameo in yeah. there. Um, so like they did with old man Logan, like they've done with Wolverine since he was invented. This made me really excited about, the next era of Marvel. I think that I love like image books. That's my favorite company. And that's what I really find the most rewarding and like vertigo. Um, but I do feel like comics as a whole and the whole industry never feels quite good to me unless Marvel and DC are both producing books that are quality. And it's been a while since I think Marvel has been producing books that on the whole, I felt were like really quality. And DC has been firing on all 52 cylinders. Yeah. But you know, three years ago, four years ago, Marvel was killing it, and DC mm-hmm. was in the second half of the New 52, and it was like I was reading two DC books. So I, I wish that um, it didn't seem like when one was good, the other was not that good. But this makes me excited f- for the the tone of the Marvel Universe in the future. It seems like they're doing some good stuff. They're, I, I love that they had changed a ton of the characters. I love that mm-hmm. we were getting like different Iron Mans and different Thors and different Hulks. But at the same time, I am connected to the characters that I've been reading since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I want to check in with those people. And I would like to have both. Um, and unfortunately, we were kind of only getting one. And, and I, I like the idea of having both. So this was... I'm pretty pumped about it. Um, I, I love my Wolverine. I love my Fantastic Four. 
Yep, yep. I love the Celestials, and I hope I hope they keep around. Like I hope they keep Ironheart as Ironheart. Oh, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, Jane Foster is going to die, but I hope they keep some of the newer. Spoilers. Jane Foster's going to die? In theory. I always feel like the more that Marvel pushes a concept, the more it's not going to be the case. I'm I'm really hoping that she finally gives in and goes, okay, gives me the golden apples I had done. Cure me. Mm. That's what I would do if Mm. I I was in that situation. But but Um, we know know Odin's son's going to be Thor again, though. So. Yeah, and I think we should talk about that issue with Thor in a little bit yeah, here. So yeah. let's talk about those Don't theories. Don't jump the gun. Uh, no, you can jump any gun you like. Ooh. Um, I give this book an 8.5 out of 10. I think that... Actually, I meant that. I get it an 8 out of 10, and I think that if I had not known things going into it, it would probably would be like an 8.5. I heard that a big character was coming back, so I just sort of like filtered it all through there. I really think comic companies need to stop spoiling and advertising big things ahead of time, because it it's stopped me from having a real genuine experience with things like this book. Um, you know, if Game of Thrones was airing and, like, you knew a week and a half ahead of time, someone's going to die in this episode, then everything would just be like, is it this person? Is it that person? And it doesn't matter if you don't know who it is because you're still then filtering it all through this similar thing. You're just waiting for that moment yeah. instead of appreciating what you've got exactly. in front of you. So I, I actually liked this a lot, um, but I, I think that if Marvel had just sort of shut up <laughs> for a minute um, I would have liked it even more I'm not a Marvel guy really I'm shocked <laughs> I didn't really read all of this issue and I didn't like what I did read very much um, how far did you get I got to when I guess I got to the part where they were in the Indiana Jones warehouse and the Ark of the Covenant was glowing <laughs> um, right before Right before you flash over to Cap in a diner. That Somni art for that the looks Somni awesome. art is amazing. And that almost kept yeah. me reading, but the rest of it bothered me too much. I just felt, I don't know, it just felt kind of derivative and like a bunch of action and no meaningful exposition that I cared about. And I could tell that there was stuff that's important to the Marvel Universe that was happening, but I just don't give a shit. Um, I, I really like the art. I really liked... Um, the, the same shot that Colette was talking about where you could tell it was Wolverine just from his arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the thing where he put the beer in the in the Frost Giant. Um, and I really like the art for um, the Fantastic Kids. I think that's his song. Mm-hmm. Is it? Well, then I, then I really like the colors for it because it was, it was a totally different feel than for the rest sure. of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like Starbrand. I didn't like the, that she said something about a new universe, which makes me think that they're bringing back kickers from new universe. Man, um, Django, three years ago, who said four that? years ago, and, like the whole community was like, they're bringing back the new universe. It was like a, it was a huge thing, and then it didn't happen. I, you know, I, I would be okay with it if... Uh, if you I just don't like that new four logo. I just, I just don't like... And I like the Fantastic Four just fine. I just, I don't know. Just This fine. book was not for me. I, I, if I were to rate it for somebody who is really into Marvel, I'd probably give it a seven or an eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, I don't care. It's definitely it a, a Marvel fans thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and like this, this felt to me like the version of metal that Django wouldn't like because metal is the DC like let's see how far back we can go into our history and pull all this weird shit out and i happen to know it all and i happen to to really enjoy when they're talking about this stuff and in marvel i just don't know i don't have enough history with these characters to really 
Like I, I know I know surface level stuff about all these guys, and and that's. Well, you're the only guy who read Venomverse, yeah. you know, so like it's not your pocket of the Marvel Universe. That's right. That's right. I'm a big fan. <laughs> the Venomverse. I thought we were all reading Venomverse, <laughs> jerks. Colette, well, how many how many uh, endearing Marvel legacies do you give it? Uh, you know, I I forgot about the whole rating things oh, thing. I hadn't even they, thought about it. It's a very this, strict scale. Yes, yeah. it's very. Well, I get. I went into this like r- with really low expectations. Like I'm a big time Marvel reader. I I just expected to just like, all right, this is this is checking boxes for me. This is getting the info that I need to for then going forward. And I actually, I mean, I should have known. There's not much Jason Aaron can do that I don't enjoy. Really, oh, at yeah. least even when I it's not his best, I'm still good with it. Mm-hmm. So. Like, there was a lot of... The whole stuff with Starbrand and um, Ghost Rider, I didn't care about. I totally agree. But I don't really care about either of those characters, so I just sped through it, which is what I expect from something like this. There's going to be pages you like, pages you don't. But all in all, I was really surprised, and I think I do, like... 8.5? Yeah. Marvel, Marvel Which I was thinking like a 5 when yeah. I picked it up to start reading it before I read anything. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this surprised me a lot too because I didn't expect much from it. I'd probably give it a... I'll give it a 7. 7.7. So, the Oz effect. The Oz effect. And there's a, there's a two-part thing with the Oz effect this week. Two-part? Right. So um, there's a two-part thing. I mean, it's definitely the second part of the Oz effect. Yeah, and but but we also have so it's the second part of the Oz effect. But Detective Comics, oh, which we'll yeah, talk yeah. about, okay. also is related to the Oz effect. So we're getting our second kind of Watchmen-esque moment in the DC mm-hmm. universe. Um, Colette, you're a Marvel buddy. You're yeah. like a Marvel buddy. I, do you care about the DC universe overlapping with the Watchmen stuff? Where where does this all fall for you? The button happening, this Doomsday Clock's coming out. Do yeah, you care? I. If you'd asked me pre-rebirth, how I felt about pre-birth. that. Yes, pre-birth. <laughs> um, I would have told you I think it's one of the worst ideas I could imagine. Um, I had always really hoped that they wouldn't do that, but then I read that first rebirth issue and I was like, okay, I'm. I'm on board. Yeah. I will tell me more. Yeah, but yeah. But wait nine months. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm. <laughs> I'm going to walk with trepidation into this um, milieu, if you will. I don't know. <laughs> Probably the wrong word. Um, That's French. It's fine. Yeah, it sounds fancy, so it's good. It's <laughs> classmate um, joined up. But uh, yeah, I. Um, so I'm kind of on board. Like I read the button. I enjoyed mm-hmm. the button. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big dc reader not because i dislike dc but just there's only so many hours in a day and there's more things i'm excited about from image and marvel and boom um i have to say i've never read an issue of action comics in my whole life wow yeah so roman tell us about this action (laughs) (laughs) in that case roman give me a give me a side by side uh a scene by scene a play by play well we opened it up up, and there's this great shot of superman facing somebody calling him a liar they're in the Fortress of Solitude. It's Mr. Oz has been revealed. It's spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Mr. Oz has been revealed as Jor-El, apparently, Superman's birth pappy. Um, and they're in the Fortress talking about this. How could this be? Because Jor-El is supposed to be dead a long time ago. And he's missing an eye. Half his face is all scarred up. He's like Two-Face Jor-El. Two-Face Jor-El, Mr. Oz. It's a lot of characters. Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, and they're talking about this the whole time. And there's some beautiful art sequences where Jarrell's telling his son what happened, death of Krypton. He's holding his wife, Laura. They're like ins- being incinerated, and something saves him. And there's this beautifully drawn sequence, three panels, where they're embracing each other. They're dying. This blue light and coruscates, whatever, over Jor-El and keeps him alive. And he sees Lara disintegrate in front of his eyes. And it's just a horrible scene. That was brutal. I watched your mother die while I lived. I just love that. And the way he described it is like there was this split moment that lasted for an eternity where she evaporated in front of me and my brain... In the moment that it took my brain to process that I should be dead and wasn't dead yet, I watched my wife die and yeah. my son fly away and the planet that I'm from burn. Like, Yeah, whoa. holy crap. And it's in Kryptonian, <laughs> he said, ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I believe geez. that that stands for hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the most tra- traumatic thing I've read in a DC book this month. Um, so, Jor- so Jor-El's telling him how he came to, how he came to Earth 2. I'm sorry, not Earth 2. Earth Zero, whatever the main Earth, Earth is well. called now. Yeah, Earth as well. What is this Earth? What is it's, the main It's Earth PC? Zero now, isn't it? Isn't yeah, because in Murder Machine, else? it yeah. sounds like they refer to it as Earth Zero or I Earth Prime. that was a different Earth. So did I. Though it seemed like it's a completely different one. I thought, I thought this that was supposed it was to be Earth 52. We should look at Grant Morrison's multiversity chart. Yeah, they've chart. done it. Yeah. yeah, but just because of Murder Machine, the way that it prefaced it, I was like, this seems like our Earth that they've come to and they described it as Earth Zero, but I was like, this isn't referred to as Earth Zero. But they'd already destroyed all those cities and wiped out the Justice League, and that I think it was supposed to be yet another. Okay. I think we're on Rebirth. Oh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Got to get Grant Morrison to call in and tell us what the, Earth, Earth. the main yeah. DC Earth is called now. Oh, Morrison Earth. Maybe Justin knows him. Oh, God. But Justin, he does. Justin's he hanging does. out with Alan Moore right now on the side of a freeway begging cars to throw cigarettes <laughs> yeah. at him. Jan, Justin's standing in front of that river that runs through Spokane, just pensively staring there at the ripples in the water. Creating incredible tapestries of thought and creativity in his mind to make yeah. a blanket out of and warm himself from the cold of the 99 Luff Balloons is playing in the background. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess... What we learn in this issue is that, for some reason, Dr. Manhattan saves Jor-El and wants him to see that Earth sucks. So yeah, he sticks him yeah. in this, like, camp in, like, Africa or somewhere where there's just a horrible warlord controls it. And he forces a kid to murder his parents that are, like, saving Jor-El. And he loses all of his faith. Yeah, and the only reason that, to add tragedy to Jor-El's story, the only reason that happens is because... The, he wants he was well enough. The family kicks him out. He leaves, but he like steals some food from the warlord to yeah. give to this family. And one of the kids, being a dumb kid, like tells the warlord because he thinks that's going to endear his family and help his family. So of course the guy forces the kid to kill his parents mm. while Jor-El is watching. And this starts convincing Jor-El that humanity is doomed. And like I don't know if this. I don't know. I don't know how this just directly ties into the Watchmen, I guess, because Dr. Manhattan has kept him alive, and Dr. Manhattan is pretty indifferent towards humanity, so, like, maybe he's asserting some agenda where he wants other people to be indifferent towards humanity, but then even to a certain agenda isn't as indifferent as Dr. Manhattan is. Like, he's way more passive than wanting people to view things. He doesn't have an... I don't know. I I liked this more than the first issue of The Oz Effect. Um, Yeah, I did, too. But, uh... I'm still just a little confused about the rate at which this story is coming out. Like, why is this a big four-issue story that's coming out a year and a half after leading into this doomsday clock thing? Like, 
It all feels a little bit heavy-handed to me. Yeah, a little contrived. And, yeah, so... <sighs> Dr. Manhattan's motives don't make any sense if this is Dr. Manhattan doing this stuff. It right. does seem like it's Dr. Manhattan because Jor-El's disappearing in a blue light, and we've been teased with the Doomsday Clock, which explicitly has Dr. Manhattan's face behind Superman's body on one of the covers. Um, and And we'll get to the detective thing in a few minutes but like it they they seem to really be pushing the idea that this is dr manhattan behind all this but it doesn't make sense to me that dr manhattan would be meddling this much in a world that he's right he's indifferent like he doesn't care okay so this just flashed through my brain a few minutes ago he's indifferent but he's still like super buff sexy dude so he's not totally indifferent or he would be a cloud right he he would he wouldn't worry about (laughs) having a giant dong and and muscles. <laughs> yeah, that might. I mean, that's that's a whole different tangent. We that could, could just be an oversight. About whether we feel like <laughs> Doctor Manhattan's character design is related to his uh, attachment to humanity or not. I mean, by the end, I, th- I, I would think that that's something Alan Moore would would have taken into consideration. We'd yeah. have to ask Justin. But either way, like, but, yeah, it's a really good point because that's why, like, Zeus and all the gods of mythology—they're all these these buff, perfect people, except for Hephaestus. Yeah, but. Because yeah, they're not indifferent. They're very they're embodying embodying that word. I can't mm-hmm. say for some reason. All all of our passions and and, and bad problems. crap and good stuff and yeah, all of that. Yeah. And Doctor Manhattan, I don't know. Um, maybe it'll all come clear by the end. I'll, I'll bet it will. Like I at this point, I trust these guys to be scared to fuck up Doctor Manhattan. Yeah, I mean that that simply. Yeah, I give this book a 7. It's making me pretty excited about Doomsday Clock. I'm really excited that Doomsday Clock is going to be 12 issues long. Um, it is? Yeah, it's like that's a long book. You know what I'm excited for? Is it a midnight release of doing Doomsday Clock? That too. Yeah. Also, only one lenticular cover. Yeah. Only for number one. <laughs> yeah. Which is weird because they will have had eight lenticular covers leading up to it. For the button and the yeah. cause effect. And they're doing them right. Yeah, they are. They're yeah, real pretty. This is a really yeah. nice yeah, one. Yeah, this is an awesome cover on Action Comics this week, folks. Um, uh, what do you give it? I'm, I'm going to give it a seven also. I think it's a... I think seven it's a, water dongs? Seven, seven water dongs. Water why dongs. is it a water dong? Yeah, why Because is... it's a blue aqueous flowing dong. Oh, oh. All right. Seven water dongs. <laughs> <laughs> um, Justin would have known exactly what I meant by that. I just Aww. wanted to hear his name again. <laughs> uh, this is, I promise, season two is not just going to be a year uh, sadly <laughs> talking is. about Justin's absence. Remember when Justin said, You remember that character he would do? That funny, funny character he would do? Remember when he would stand there? <laughs> hanging on Jeff on the computer, just sort of hanging on him. I almost forget. <laughs> I almost, it's sort of a cloud in the back of my mind. An ephemeral, an amorphous water dong in the back of my mind. Yeah, uh, seven. What do you give it, Rome Puppy? Oh, man. Rome Puppy? I'll also give this a, <laughs> I'll also give this a, boy, seven, yeah, a seven. Maybe, oh God, maybe, you know. Mm, no, I'll give it a seven. If I was giving a rating to this and Detective together, that would be a higher rating, but I'll save that. I agree. I'll give it a, you guys actually convinced me that I should probably pick this up and read it. Oh. <laughs> um, so then let's move just quickly into Detective Comics, which Roman texted us all about that night saying, guys, Detective was really good, and it functioned as a real good add-on piece to action. Do you guys recognize the cover? Text. A companion piece. Well, I didn't know you were going to be on this podcast. <laughs> Is it... <laughs> 
now that you mention it, yeah, I could, like somebody in the Bat Cave, like holding a costume. This is a parody of A Lonely Place of Dying, Part One. When Tim becomes Robin. This, and then I saw some solicitations for other covers from Detective, and it looks like they're doing a four-part or a six-part series that are all using those old covers as a basis for the new ones. Makes sense. It's the lonely okay. place of living. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the art in this book, and it's been this same artist since issue number one, and mm -hmm. he does this consistent thing where he does a lot of normal paneling and pictures, but he just will incorporate really strange, like, watercolor shots of characters every, like, other page or so. So, like, um, a lot of his faces and figure drawing is kind of weird, and there'll be, like, big eyes and kind of goofy mouths, but then on, like, the left side of the page, you'll just get this really kind of gorgeous watercolor shot of somebody kind of in the background. I don't know exactly why he's doing it, but it's not something that I've seen in a lot of different books. And even from issue one of, of this run, it, it stood out to me as a, as a pretty cool uh, thing that's going on. So this issue is like mostly just talking. Oh, yeah. Right? It's like everybody just kind of hanging out, talking. Tim's talking to Mr. Oz slash Jor-El, and he finds out who Jor-El is. Um, and while he's talking to Jor-El, he... He's disabled the computers and he escapes. Um, and Jorel's like, oh, fuck this. And he leaves. And the panel where he leaves, we see Tim jumping towards a big old green light. And the his pose and the light's position seem to me to be the same as Rebirth cover number one. Mm. Right, I can see that like without yeah. without the blue hand reaching down, um, and then Tim tries to he he hacks into the computer and helps the other prisoners escape. One of the prisoners is Batman, but it turns out it's Batman who uses a goddamn gun, <laughs> and that Batman with a goddamn gun is future Tim Drake. Dun dun dun. <laughs> So what's cool about this is it's going back to in the very first issue of Detective from this relaunch. Um, basically, Tim is coming at peace with wanting to stop being Robin and go to college. And this whole thing, him being trapped there, is sort of come a, it's, it's caused him to just sort of be reevaluating that, I feel like. Yeah, uh, yeah, because I forget exactly what happened during one of their adventures with the Bat family. Tim was apparently killed, but he was actually captured and taken away by mr oz in a very similar way that mr oz was taken like tim blew up in a building yeah and was rescued by oz or maybe by whoever rescued oz what we learn is that yeah oz says i didn't put you here i was put here by the same person that put you yeah here. that that was one of the most interesting i love this issue but that was one of the big things for me that i was like ooh, because i read it after action i was like oh so mr oz may not be the the actual guy behind all this and what did you love about this issue Oh, well, first of all, I love the fact Tim Drake is my second favorite Robin after Dick Grayson. Um, so I'm just glad to see him back. He's my favorite Robin. I, I, I mean, he's great. He's so great. And this goes back, I mean, flashbacks to how he figured out at age whatever he was, 14 or something, because he was there when Dick Grayson's parents got killed in the circus. From that, he figured out who Dick, who Dick Grayson was, who Batman was, and then he went to them and, and said, and he did this back in when he first appeared in Detective. And I love the reminder of that, mm -hmm. that he's so smart that he impressed Batman and Dick Grayson just going, hey, I figured out who you guys are. Come on. And I don't want to like be Robin. Or, yeah, and I don't want to be Robin or anything. I just got, you guys just need to know this because you need help. I love the fact that on the variant cover for this, it shows Tim in the 
you know, Kryptonian prison before yeah, they get cool sent to the Phantom Zone in the movie. I love the fact so they're cool. using that in the comics now because it's such a great visual. Mm-hmm. You mean the, the the rings? The rings that look like Dr. Manhattan's symbol? But they came from the movie first. Well, actually, <laughs> don't the movie ones are actually two circles on top of each other that go like this? They don't actually cross. That's nitpicking, but um, <laughs> I guess they, yeah, I guess I they do wrong. do that. But they, but it kind of gives the the illusion that right. they're. I didn't actually realize the Doctor Manhattan sort of overlap as well until now. But ladies I, and gentlemen, I we're going to take a picture of Jeff's fingers <laughs> and post it on the website. That, that, was, so an, you can that see. was an awesome motion. That's a <laughs> Thank perfect you. visual I, uh, practice. But yeah, just just Tim's dialogue in here, I thought was was so good. They they interweaved the flashbacks very well. It all flowed very nicely. Um, dun, 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 dun. How about the shot when he puts his costume on for the first time? Um, oh, on this page? Yeah. Yeah, like and two page spread. I stopped and I said, damn, that's a good costume. Like, it's that so is good. Such a good it, it's a great costume. costume. The look on his face is so dumb and cheesy, but it's also totally like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Robin now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's. Okay, I mean, first, everyone should probably mention who their favorite Robin is. Sure. Drake. Tim Drake, J- Roman said Dick Grayson, Dick, and then Tim. Tim. Kerry Kelly. Kerry Kelly. I think I'm probably on record as saying Kerry Kelly last Jingo time you is. asked this question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But of, of the canon Robins, definitely Tim Drake. Okay. Okay, cool. I'd probably go Tim if we're going canon, yeah. too. He's got and that I sharp R. I pick Kerry because she's a girl. <laughs> she's a fucking badass. Yeah. But he's got that sharp R. Yeah, although yeah. it's two R's now. Yeah, for Red Robin, but... Yeah, but, but, I, but yeah, I don't like that name. It's he's not Robin. The best come on, I mean, he's a detective, and he's the Robin from when I was a kid. And but who do you think? I mean, I mean, if Jor-El is, you know, fake Jor-El isn't the one behind all this. I mean, Doctor Manhattan, I still think is the one behind it all. But Brainiac, it's Brainiac. I was wondering about Brainiac because yeah, he's missing that eye. Brainiac has like the one weird eye and one fake eye, one real eye. I guess I've just been thinking that yeah, it's Doctor Manhattan. But I like the idea of maybe there being another person, and it's like maybe Doctor Manhattan having a relationship with somebody else that is possibly antagonistic or something like uh maybe it's brainiac and dr manhattan or something like that what if in the doomsday clock superman and dr manhattan have to fight and then they realize that they're on the same team and then they have to team up against somebody how about it is real lame that at the <laughs> and end then of this... a girl's gonna show up <laughs> and be the only interesting thing about it yeah. oh man yeah this art i love that panel mm-hmm. with batman shooting this this looks like a Jack Kirby New Gods type gun. He uses <laughs> such, it's the same type of New God gun that he uses against Darkseid at the end of Final Crisis. Oh. Um, it's it's wow. so weird to me that this artist uses two distinctly different styles. Like he does his panel work in one art style and then he does like this sort of stuff in a different style. Like he, it's it's yeah. very, I don't know, like his face is from, it, it's interesting. I think that this person's going to, has some legs in the industry because I think that they're going to, in like five years, I think they'll be doing a lot. Who is it? It's Eddie, Eddie Barrows. Mm-hmm. Who, he's been a detective now for a while. Since the start of Rebirth. Yeah. Yeah. And I like him a lot. Yeah. So that's like 20 issues. It's like three months, but it's like 36 issues. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. I, w- I would give this book uh, a, like a seven. I like the art in it, and I like that it works so well in tandem with yeah. uh, the action comics issue. I don't like that we got old Tim Drake and young Tim Drake in this weird prison now, and Doomsday like bust through the wall. I Doomsday works so much better as this thing that's rarely around and is actually mm. a threat when it is around. But like we've gotten a lot of Doomsday. Yeah, in the two last Tim five Drakes years. are going to beat Doomsday. Yeah, or the story's over. Or they're going to get out of this prison. I guess my other issue is, like, why is Jor-El going by the name Mr. Oz for any other reason other than they want us to think that he was Ozymandias? Like, right. that's so... 
Like, why that name? Well, uh, if you flip it upside down, it's the beginning of Zod. So hmm. he's, uh, been in, <laughs> he's been in Superman lately. <laughs> I'm still expecting Ozymandias to show up again. Yeah. Somewhere in this, yeah. Yeah. Again? Do you feel like he showed up already? I mean, I mean, sorry, not again, just okay. to show up. Well, I mean, he and, and uh, Jor-El traded costumes at some point in the last year. I guess yeah. Ozymandias yeah. does love a long scimitar like Ozymandias had. Or Staff. Whatever. Yeah. Maybe Dr. Manhattan thought there were too many people, and he just smushed the Combined two together them? into like one that. person, and that's... Jor-Oz. Jor-Oz. <laughs> uh, I'll give this one... Uh, I'll give it a seven also. I think combined with Action Comics, uh, bump, they, they both get bumped up a half a point. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, they, they really work well together. So you know what's interesting to me is, Colette, I know that you're like a Marvel person, but then now that I think about it, you're also like a real strong bat universe person yeah yeah i listening to you guys talking about this all that keeps going through my head is i need to work less shifts and take a vacation so i can actually get caught up that's on all what this i think stuff every day i work yeah. like man i need a week to just go in a bunker and read comic books and like read old comic books mm-hmm. like i need to read old comic books somehow i just got in the habit over time of like i've got my stuff that i read regularly Mm -hmm. which tends to be my favorite image books that i just no matter how good they'd be read all at once i can't help myself and i need to read it right then and then the marvel stuff that's just it's my fun reading and whatnot and then when i go on vacation i take all of jared's batman stuff (laughs) and everything that collects up at our house happily and i sit and i just binge it all but i've just been so busy for the last while that i'm still halfway through new 52 batman brushing your teeth taking a shit eating food i keep trying to read them in the shower but it just sucks (laughs) yeah i can't i I can't read anything when i'm brushing my teeth because i get spit and water all over it i got a laminator guys Django (laughs) buys the comic so if they get ruined while he's brushing his teeth he's like well that's my dollar where i'm like i'm wasting Django's dollars (laughs) maybe we should just uh use my collection as a library for everybody yeah you got the issues i get one of each can i borrow them get one of every comic we get in here jeff can i borrow the issues yeah you can borrow the issues i got them all you still have room in your house for you and a justin also (laughs) do you still have him hidden away there no that's our Christmas present, right? Is that you yeah, actually just trust him. <laughs> here's his head and here's his torso. They're all in short boxes. Wow, just like a What's Jack... in the box, Django? What's in the box? It's just like a Jack Kirby story. Uh, just assemble a Justin out of a box. Mac Justin? <laughs> yeah. Um, Colette, the world how about that's... real quickly, you and I just talked for a second about Mighty Thor number 23. Uh, I think oh, I think I have to rate this. Oh, Roman, I'm sorry. Uh, I, 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 I have did. to give it a, a lonely place of, of ratings. Right. <laughs> um, except I, I was same as same as Django. It'd be like a seven, seven point five. But the two of this and action together, I'd I'd put them at a nine. Okay. Heavens as a to group. Betsy. As wow. a group. Heavens a to Krypton. <laughs> <laughs> Murgatroyd. Um, Colette. Mighty Thor. Yes. Murgatroyd. I will Knight. happily talk about Mighty Thor <laughs> me, anytime you ever want. Give me some of that Mighty Thor. <laughs> oh, that Mighty Thor. So I, I was actually running a little behind, surprise, on my reading, and I read this issue 23 and 22 this afternoon at once. Nice. And so I'm having a little trouble remembering what was from which because they really like, if you haven't read 22 yet, read them both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Totally. Because it's, I, oh, man. Thor's fighting with a bunch of lightning, and it, oh, 
I'm sorry. I'm, I'm at a loss of words because I really liked this. Can I tell you? I don't think I've told Please. you my experience of reading this comic book yet. Please speak, and I will form thoughts so, that would so make was, sense. So I was putting the books out yesterday. On Wednesday, I show up really, really early to read comics. No, uh, to put comics on the wall. But I get here early enough that I usually have to take a morning poopy while I'm here because <laughs> I'm here for like two, two and a half hours before open. And, and Jeff uh, can't go more than two, two and a half hours without pooping. I can only I can go. I he doesn't go, want a deadly class moment. <laughs> I've had deadly class Another. moments. Um, so I'm putting the books out, and I'm like, I gotta. I haven't read issue 22 yet. I had read 21, but I was like, I loved 20 and 21. Mm-hmm. I, I loved the Warthor. I love Volstagg as the Warthor. I was like, I'm gonna go and read this while I make a poop, just like Django talks about. So I went into our awesome efficiency. S- yeah, I went into our awesome <laughs> store bathroom. And no one's here. It's like 8.15 in the morning. You know, it's very early. The store's not going to be open for almost two hours. Spoilers. We all poop in those bathrooms. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Especially when the store's locked. Yeah. Um, So I'm sitting there on the toilet, and I'm reading this comic book. And the thing is, is I forget that just because the store's locked doesn't mean people don't have access to the bathroom. (laughs) So I'm sitting in there reading it, and I'm halfway through it, and I'm in a very exciting moment. You know, I've got hammers flying. I'm, I'm reading this... Amazing, I literally, right before what happened, happened, I hear this amazing quote from Thor. Somebody's talking about her not understanding war and battling, and she just has this amazing Roman moment. I gotta find it so Roman can see it while we're talking, but... um, So she had a Roman moment before you had a Roman moment. She says, (laughs) you think I don't understand war? Try battling cancer. And then she just like... (laughs) Fucking hammers the shit at it. Yeah, so, I, I like, oh, yeah, yeah I got when I was reading it. Um, but right as I got to that moment, somebody walked into the bathroom, and I was like, oh no. And I do what I always do if you're pooping in public and somebody walks into the bathroom you clear your throat. Because you're just like, it's a real nonverbal way of being like, hey, I'm in here. Occupy! <laughs> Without saying occupy. So I'm like, <clears throat> and dude doesn't phase him at all. He just walks in throws the door open and just walks into me like sitting on the toilet <laughs> pooping and reading the mighty thor and i i just like my only thought was like what would roman do and because roman is just to me he's the epitome of like rectal health he's just like nobody yeah. nobody is more like healthy in a poop, <laughs> poop way than Roman. I don't know why I think that, but like I do. And so it's my greatest skill. I just I looked up casually from the comic. I looked at the guy and I said, "Hey, man," and and he just went like beet red and closed the door. He's like, "I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, man. I'm so sorry." And I was like, I didn't say anything. I just looked back down at the comic and I was like, "Would Roman be nervous?" And I was like, "I don't think Roman would be phased at all." And I was like, "Man, I should be uncomfortable. What should I think about?" And I was like, "Just think about the fact that Roman would just let this go." And I did. But then the guy just—you could hear him. He stood there for like 30 seconds. He was like, "I don't know if I should. What I should? Should I leave? Would that be embarrassing?" So then he just stood there and he tried to pee, and it took him a minute. And then he did pee, and then and then he peed and left. And I was like, "All right, sweet, we made it through." Um, and then I finished the comic book, and it was fantastic. But that was my experience of reading this, um, and it was just magnificent. And I, you know, I got out of there with like three pages left, and then I, so I sat there in the dark because I always leave all the lights off in here in the morning while I'm putting the books out because it's atmospheric and I like it to be alone in the dark. But there's just this panel at the end when like Jane Foster Thor is comforting oh. Volstag. and it's so like heart. she's just like cancer victim, and he's like gone off the rails being War Thor, and. Uh, and well, so he, and it's trauma. Yeah. He's just expressing yeah. this deep trauma that he's just gone through and hasn't had no 
outlet other than the worst way to channel it. Yeah, and she just like sits there and she's just like, well, I'm going to be there for you because I'm your friend. And it was just... Jane Foster is like Roman. Like Jane Foster is wow. Jane Foster yeah. Thor is Roman. Like I, on every level, I, I totally equate the two wow, that, characters. That's, that's really touching. Um, <laughs> but yeah, great. Live up to that now. Uh, well, you got to get a hammer. Oh, well, you already <laughs> yeah. got one. So that was ah. Jane. That's <laughs> Thor turned back into Jane Foster, right? Yeah. I thought a couple issues ago she said I can do this one more time and then I'll die. Are they are they are they stretching that out? Has that been addressed, or am I misremembering? I, I do was, feel like she did say that actually, or, or she or like only has a couple. This is going to kill me, or yeah. if I keep like. I thought that's what it was. It's going to kill me. She doesn't have many left. Yeah, oh, okay. so I didn't. Wasn't, I didn't think she it was just down to one. Because okay. the whole um, obviously not. The um, what's the generations? That's the word. Um, that whole issue of the two of them is her like battling with trying to decide whether or not. She wants to just embrace being Thor because that would save her. She could mm. just not not be Thor for the rest of her life and and separate from the humanity. But the reminder of why the humanity is important to yes. keep and everything. Jason and Aaron. oh, I know. Uh, I realize sitting here that if it weren't for Southern Bastards this month being written by Jason Latour, I would have had a, a nothing but Aaron oh. <laughs> week. But um, surprise, Colette loves some Jason Aaron books. But yeah, we both, um, yeah, he's he's the man. But yeah, this. This was just like, this is what I want in a superhero book. No question. Every page was pretty. Great fight scenes. Heartfelt moments. Touching. Relate. It was just it's just everything packed together with really pretty art. Dude, he's so, so good. Well, you know what's crazy? So shiny. Yeah, and this isn't even Doubterman. No, I know. And it's, it's wonderful to me that they've got Doubterman on and he's established a real art style for the book. And they found, like... Shitty is his name. Shitty. I don't know how to pronounce it, but uh, Shitty. Shitty uh, does a fantastic job of feeling like uh, feeling like Dowderman without mm-hmm. being Dowder- and just this huge crack yeah. of like right there in the lightning. Oh, oh, well, yeah. Dowderman can probably crank out like upwards of a page every three days, right? I, I have with no all idea. those little I... dots and lines and shit. Is yeah, he a line boy? I don't know how he's super detailed. Yeah. What I love about him is like the big thick ink lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big. Yeah, I, it's uh, and I love too the like touching on oh. some realms that I mean, War of the Realms. You mm. would hope that we would at least get to see every realm at least once, but getting to see some of the realms that we don't usually and and Angela Is makes an a little appearance, yeah. and I'm really excited for more of that because yeah. I love her and they. I was not pleased with the end of her last story yeah. arc, and so. I'm excited for seeing more of her potentially. And yeah, I, I'm really pumped for this final arc of the death of Thor. And yeah, I, okay. I give Thor this issue an 8.5. I'm going to give it a 9. Nice. Hell Sweet. yeah. Um, Roman, I think we should take two minutes to two talk minutes. about Infamous Iron Man. Um, okay. I have a really positive thing to say about it. And I know you have a really valid complaint about it. So can I hear... Can I hear your thoughts? This is the final issue of Infamous Iron Man, the, the Doctor Doom Iron Man book that's been coming out, uh, 12 issues long. He's sort of wrapping it here. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, in the last issue, it was revealed we thought it was Reed Richards or perhaps the maker from the Ultimate Universe messing with Doom. Turns out it's Mephisto. Um, this issue starts off with Doom and and uh, Doctor Strange facing off against Mephisto. Or Mephisto, however you want to say it. Um, well... I'll start with a positive thing. The art is beautiful. Yeah, there's some amazing art in this book. And I'm not a, I'm not the biggest Bendis fan, as I said before on here, but I've been enjoying this title. Um, though now, after 
time I, uh, Jason Aaron, I, I wish Jason Aaron had written this. Oh, yeah. I'm really curious what his infamous Iron Man <laughs> would have been like. I wish Jason Aaron had written <laughs> everything. everything. <laughs> um, this is just all good. It, it also is one of the things kind of hinting at the return of uh, uh, the thing in the Human Torch and Marvel 2 in 1 and mm -hmm. eventually the Fantastic Four, I hope. The thing I didn't like, as I've often complained about with Bendis, his, I feel like this is the worst characterization, worst dialogue Mephisto has ever done since he was introduced in Silver Surfer in the 60s. And <laughs> I am I am a bad guy. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's insane. It's not that. It is a yeah. totally different characterization of him. It is a... It is a Deadpool Mephisto. Well, yeah, basically, which, yeah. Oh, sorry, I'll let you continue that thought in a minute. Which, yeah, I could, I could go with because, yeah, it is cool how during the battle, Mephisto, being the devil, basically freezes time, whatever, it turns to the reader and starts speaking to them, which can be entertaining. It goes on for like three, four, four pages. Four pages, yeah. Um, and I could accept that, okay, he's the devil. He's all about deception and lives. He can be whatever characterization he wants to present to us. Maybe he's just never presented this characterization before so i could almost go with that except he's too i could i didn't pick out one yet ahead of time but he's too like oh he's got some some of these you know when they do the the symbols instead of a, cu a curse word he, he does that a, a bunch lot. of times yeah. which a lot of bendis's street level characters do that but this is the devil why is he like cursing with like bronx why swears? would the devil not swear <laughs> It's, I well, want to know what swear words the <laughs> devil has. Well, he wouldn't, but, he's but got you know, be creative with it. Garth Ennis, probably in the demon, if I remember correctly, I'm sure he had some demons and devils using some very, or Jason Aaron in, in Hell, with one L, had their Lords of the Undead doing very specific to their realm curse words yeah. and their tone. This just sounds like, you know, any Bendis character from, you know, Lower Fifth Avenue in New York. Yeah. So, like, in relation to that... Um, one thing I love about Jonathan Hickman is he wrote Fantastic Four, <clears throat> and before he started writing Fantastic Four, <clears throat> he said that he read every single issue of Fantastic Four, mm. um, and that's the kind of writer that Hickman is. If he's going to write something, he's going to read every single issue of it beforehand. Bendis went on record before he wrote Guardians of the Galaxy, or like halfway through his run, he admitted that he didn't read any of it before mm. he wrote it. And I think that that shines through in that Guardians of the Galaxy run. Bendis' run is not very good. People don't love it. And yeah. it doesn't seem true to any Guardians of the Galaxy tone. Um, this Mephisto doesn't feel true to any incarnation of Mephisto. It's clearly a person's view of Mephisto. It's yeah. like Bendis' own Satan person. And I guess I like... I like the character, but it, it just seems like Bendis being kind of self-indulgent. It is very, like, not rooted in the Marvel Universe. It's like a Deadpool, like him, talking to the reader. And I, as I was reading it, I was like, I don't think Roman will like this. <laughs> like, as I was yeah. reading it. And if it was a Bendis, his own title or something, not using an established Marvel character, right. fine. That'd be, that'd be entertaining. It'd be kind of clever. But uh, when you got a Marvel character so established, you, you, you owe a little something to that character and the history to... Try and right. at least hint at the tone of that character as it's been established. That being said, I uh, I think the art, like you said, was is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I think Maliev yeah. 
hasn't done anything yeah, since cool. Daredevil that I I feel like is on that level, and this is the first thing I think since Daredevil that I feel like is is on that level. Um, you, you guys, I think I might actually have to buy a copy of this because there's that, one page that's just with the upside down cross. Gorgeous, motif. yeah, like oh, that yeah. needs to go on my wall. Yeah, it's that's so beautiful. beautiful. I'd actually forgotten this one's Malieve. Um, <laughs> but yeah, one of my favorite things about this run was Bendis really channeling the Fantastic Four, and I'm yeah. really excited for the Fantastic Four to come back into the Marvel universe. And Legacy has showed us that they're going to do that. Um, my favorite part of this issue, and maybe the whole series, is that um, Ben Grimm, at the end of this battle with Mephisto, sort of calls out Doctor Doom, and he's like, man, every time, like, I don't care if you're trying to help or not, like, all you are is a pain in the ass. And uh, and Doctor Doom just says, Ben, he says, uh, after our last encounter, I made a promise if this ever happened to us again, to both of us. And then he says, goodbye. And then Ben Grimm sort of comes to on this building windowsill and he like jumps up in the air. He's like, where am I? And he looks around. He's like, he says, it's, he's in Amsterdam. And, uh, and he finds this note right next to him and it says, Ben, this has been a difficult year. Take a vacation on me. I found this to be the most beautiful place outside of my home country. Stay. If you ever want to come back, this place is yours. A small token, Victor Von Doom. And, and, I get goosebumps even <laughs> reading that again. Like, I teared up reading that. It's just like, it's, I think Bendis is not great at a bunch of stuff, but he is really good at times at just, like, demonstrating humanity. Yeah. And and that, to me, was just a really beautiful instance of a person who feels shame and guilt and bad about what they've done, and they're trying to make it right, and it's a small instance of it. And it, it just, that, that was a moment that, like, really moved me, mm-hmm. and it, it was... Again, my favorite parts of this 12-issue series were the Fantastic Four stuff. And I really wish that Bendis would write a Fantastic Four book because I think he's got a really interesting take on those characters. So I, I would I, give... I, oh, sorry. So I just want to say I would give this book uh, an 8.5 because the Mephisto thing, I, I understand the complaint and I absolutely think it's valid. I don't have a lot of context for Mephisto myself. So I just was like, okay, cool. This is going to be this Mephisto. It's because you're not 36. Well, I'm not 36. <laughs> I'm a little boy. I'm a little 12-year-old boy um, with big shoes. And uh, so, yeah, I, I would give the whole I would give this whole series uh, an 8.5, and I would give this issue an 8.5. Yeah, cool. Um, I think I'd give the whole series an 8.5. I'd probably give this issue – I'm doing a lot of 7.5s this time. I'll give it an 8 okay. for the issue because as much as I didn't like the Mephisto stuff, that's how much I, I loved the Ben Grimm stuff. And same thing as you, these pages with, with Ben and the fact that after he reads the note, he sees this like scotch or whatever that is – left there for him there's no way ben Grimm drinks scotch well whatever, are you sure whatever what do you think that bottle is I, I have no idea i mean ben Grimm. maybe it's jack daniels yeah it's got to just be whiskey some he's, kind of whiskey he's a guy okay. from yancey street yeah. right mm-hmm. oh you're right drink yeah, scotch yeah. on yancey street I maybe just, up in that weird ff tower <laughs> love that notion yeah. of ben just pissed and then yeah. reading that note and just being like oh, the note in the next panel he's, he's like hello because all of a sudden he notices there's this tray with the glass here and then he says something like fuck or something and he drinks it. Oh, that's good. Shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's say, the last we see him. He makes that line from the wire. He goes, I, "She." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then that's just it's a perfect human moment yeah. between the two of them. And, and that was that was great. So I, I also thought Sharon Carter was a little off, yeah. off character too, but that's. Nitpicky. So I've been reading something that I don't think we've talked about on the podcast at all. I don't think we have, though. We it's haven't. been in my. It's been in my my range of awareness. It's called Slasher, and it's from. Uh, the guy's name is Charles Forsman, Forsman, and it's from Floating World Comics in, in Portland. Um, 
it's just a, it's a like a small independent comic. It's there's not very many colors in it, and it's very uncomfortable. Uh, it's the the first couple issues introduce you to this woman who is a little bit pervy and ha- is having an online text relationship with a young boy. Like I got the feeling he was like 14, 15, 16. He's sickly. He's in a wheelchair and he's got a super religious mom who doesn't like him having text sex with a stranger. Sexting is what the kid. I've heard from the kids <laughs> oh, that it's called yeah, sexting. sexting. That's going to be way easier in my day-to-day usage. Of <laughs> Eli, stop your sexting. <laughs> Eli, are you on your phone again? <laughs> anyway, the, number four came out this week, and it's it took the whole story that it's, that's been building up, and it kind of turned it on its head and changed changed a lot of stuff. It changed the tone of the story, and the, like the whole thing is just... It's still slow and strange and uncomfortable, but it's a different... There, there are new problems that have been introduced four issues out of... Four, four issues in out of a five-issue five story. I flip through it every time it comes in, and I'm super interested in it. And Django yeah. texted me as I was placing this order today, and he was like, I need you to order five copies of this paperback. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to read one of those. Cool, me too. Yeah. yeah so I don't think... Too. I don't think you guys should uh, say anything about this two-page spread. I already looked at that. But two-page this two-page sure spread is it like there's just the things that happen on this on these on these two pages are so like weird, and then you get into this person's mind and you're like, why do they do this? What like what's making them want to do this thing to this person? And like what what damaged them early in their lives that this is something that they they either get off on or they are compelled to do. It's also not overtly <laughs> like there's not like clear nudity in it and there's nope. not clear graphic violence. It's just like really gross. Yeah. In its suggestion. Yeah, like, the whole thing is is oogie, and I like full props to anybody who can make me feel. Any emotion reading a comic at this point. <laughs> I've, and I've this seen, emotion is, ugh. I've seen his, his, his reading stacks. He reads some things that would make a lot of burly people go, ugh. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm, most I'm really of them don't. Read it. Yeah. Uh, but this, this one is just, it, it kind of reminds me of Black Hole by Dan uh-huh. Klaus, where like it's not at all what Charles I thought Burns. it was going to be. Charles Burns, sorry. Um, it's not what I thought it was going to be when I picked it up to read it. And it was slow and none of it quite fit together how I how I expected it. It's just a strange comic. Hmm. The trade paperback will be out in two months December. or so, December-ish. Um, I think the early issues are hard to find, although yeah, if I go I, to Portland and go to Floating World, I'll, well, I'll pick actually, some up. Actually, do you have the issues? Yeah, you want to borrow them? I kind of do. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll yeah. dig them up there in Justin's old room. Oh. oh. <laughs> Next to Justin's head in a short box. Shout out Justin Gasson. Oh, wow. Just like plastic. Um, <laughs> so you guys, we're near the end of our little time in the sandbox. Oh, no. Our P-cast. Um, our little P-fest. Our PAP-fest. No. Um, <laughs> it's how it is. A- it's the acronym, Django. It's P-A-P. Perfectly acceptable podcast. It's the PAP-cast. Dislike. No, oh, I need Pap to call cast. my doctor. Come to think of it, <laughs> <laughs> I was at the doctor this morning. Um, we got to talk, Josh. Am, I, am, I, supposed to, am I supposed to be doing those? <laughs> um, uh, I'm not doing them for you. <laughs> so, I'm pretty sure the other side was Vertigo originally. I just really? don't know why. I, don't, you, you, I didn't I read know. this comic that you guys are going to talk about. So I'm going to look it up while you do while you talk about it. Yeah. Yes, we're going to talk about Commandy. Uh, so <laughs> you guys. Um, 
Southern Bastards. We've talked about it a lot. It doesn't come out super, super often. It's been coming out for like three years, I think, and we've got 18 issues. It's like two and a half years, 18 issues. Yeah. That's not a long time. I mean, that's a long time for only 18 issues, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Colette, I know you're an Aaron fan. Oh, man, this is probably my second favorite ongoing series right now out of everything yeah. that I read. I love this book. Like... Nothing makes me so excited and like, oh, fuck, yes, awesome, and also just wholly and completely creeped out mm-hmm. as this book does. I, it's just so pushed past reality over the top, but so feels so real and grounded mm. at the same time. Like, like there's the the exaggerated side of it but there's those little kernels of just like oh this shouldn't be real but i bet you anything there's a whole lot of these people walking around and i guess that's the point for me is like i the south exists to me is this thing i don't know much about and i guess i don't consider much of this like over the top like i it's over the top from my seattle world but like in the south i can like reading any of these issues, I take it as exactly how the South is. Or like that podcast, um, not serial, but shit town. Yeah. S-town, yeah. Which is just like them talking about a murder conspiracy in the South. And it's just like this town. Like it's, it's so foreign to me that it's either totally over the top or it's just really foreign. To I guess me. I'm really more referring to like, you know, the stick being shoved into the ground that turns into a tree that then like the the dogs that there seems to be some sort of like it's almost supernatural. Like, yeah, like those kind of levels, those touches of, yeah, those of kind over of, the top exaggerated world yeah, little mythic touches. concepts. Um But yeah, the care oh god. The thing that I think he does, and I'm, I'm a few issues behind. I'm reading this in trade, so I've, I've only read the first three but trades. We need to talk about three trades. Three, we need to get yeah. you on issues for this book. Why are you reading this yeah. in trade? Yeah, like in here, he starts off talking about, I think it's Jason Aaron talking about how he got him a, 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 a vasectomy. Yeah, a yeah. Vasectomy. I, I immediately thought of Django. <laughs> so thought, oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Not that Django's ever had a vasectomy. <laughs> no, but no, no. We talked about it live on air with peas in my lap, buddy. <laughs> oh, sorry, never mind. I guess I don't know if I was there. Um... <laughs> The the thing that I think he does really well in this comic, up to the point that I've read, is he creates larger-than-life characters in smaller-than-life situations. Mm-hmm. So, like, none of this shit really is that life or death, except that it is in this situation. Like, it's small-town Southern football. Listen, I've watched Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Well, I and, know and about that's Jason thing. Street. I know about those people. Roll Tide. Lila Garrity. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's like, from an outside perspective, this shit doesn't really matter. It shouldn't impact these lives mm-hmm. like it is in uh, in this comic. And I think that, and, and then he's got like these characters that are just holy shit bonkers. And they're, they're, they're just these, these huge people who are dealing in a very big way with very small things, if that makes any sense. And it almost felt like that in Scalped also where he's got like this very small community and these little changes can make a huge difference to people. It's mm-hmm. like he's got a pot and he's making a stew and it's a very small pot and he keeps adding huge fucking ingredients. Like every character has 
so much to them that like you keep adding this these things in here and at some point it's just going to boil over like everything he does has yeah. this weird tension of just like mm-hmm. that's too much like that's yeah. just like you yeah. said like scalped and this one it's a it's like larger than life people in a smaller than life situation and it's like it's, a fever dream yeah it's mm-hmm. it's about to explode um well both of them too take place in these very confined places the like south this, and an indian reservation this, well yeah. and not only just the south this tiny mm-hmm. town mm-hmm. in the yeah. south it's it's this handful of people mm-hmm. and their interactions and you introduce one new element and see how it all boils over because to go back to your metaphor it's it's just too much and it, it creates just this there's gonna be too much effect. pork for that fork is what she's saying <laughs> <laughs> so i had a very uh, weird uh, interaction with this particular issue. Um, Jason Latour wrote a previous issue, and and it was it was really good. It, was I the remember one with the chicken on the cover. Yeah, I remember thinking it wasn't as good oh, as yeah. the other issues. Um, but I just like I'm so used to this being Jason Aaron writing and Jason Latour drawing it that I didn't even think to look at the creators. And I was reading this book and. Page three, just a classic Southern Bastards moment where it's a dog running through the night, but there is art, like there's Trump signs far in the background, there's like slight graffiti on this sign, and I was reading it um, at a restaurant with my girlfriend Sam, we were waiting for Roman to show up, and even at that page I just stopped and I was like, this is why this book is like my favorite thing coming out, is because every single panel, like you can tell they care so much about, and the little that, swastika on the back, yeah, yeah. graffitied on the back of the, the welcome to oh, I didn't see that. Craw but County but sign. as yeah. I was reading uh-huh. it, there was these moments of really insane violence. His daughter is beating the shit out of this man. And in the moments of really insane violence, the art becomes a little bit more extreme and almost a little bit more cartoony. And I was halfway through the issue and I thought, this is really interesting that like Latour is changing the art style to fit really violent situations. And then I got to the end of the issue... And then I realized, holy shit, Latour wrote it. And then the guy who did the art for Loose Ends did the art. And that's amazing for two reasons. It's amazing that the artist was able to to feel that much like Latour's art. It's amazing that an artist, like Latour in, in interviews talks about how this is like the one book that when he dies, he wants this to be the thing that people look at to sort of rec- like embody his career. Um so the fact that a different artist could come in and put that attention to detail into it blew me away. And then the second astounding part about that is that this artist like could write with the depth that Jason Aaron did. Like there was no yeah. part of this that didn't feel up to Jason Aaron's standards. Like it felt like him writing the book and that became clear that like they are absolutely co-storytellers mm-hmm. in this thing. And, and it's And it's Loose Ends was written by Jason Latour, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And okay. Spider Gwen, like usually his stuff, like I love his writing, but it has a very different feel to it. There's a, it's, it's not. I don't want to say surface level, because that makes it sound superficial. But it has more of a story than character. Well, and, that's his and, Marvel stuff, right? Yeah, and it's For fun all and ages. I, I love it. And it's just Aaron's like up, but there's here this to like have this guy be able mm-hmm, to do it. But it really, I, you could have not shown me the cover, and I would have thought that yeah. this was this was great and i love like i could tell it wasn't latour doing the art but in the best kind of way this it it's it's nice to see a guest artist come into a book 
and and really it's their own style but it still feels like the book it's a tone. you don't feel like you're it's not jarring to and have it doesn't a new... have to be a flashback to excuse the weird art yeah it, it, it's just the because he does Latour well mm-hmm. like the noses like that's mm-hmm. it's I don't feel like anybody draws like Latour yeah. except for this guy. And I love the difference from page, like, to set the tone. There, I've got two pages open, and you've got this very, like, more Latour, um, really kind of thick-lined, chunky noses. And then mm-hmm. the opposite page is Roberta wrapped up in her scarf and, and just really, like, heavy shading and, like, really soft pencil. And it the mood from one side to the other for the transition of, of what's going on is I love the contrast. It's not jarring. It's this like rich difference from person to person and and moment to moment. And it, it's just really, really beautiful. How about like how amazingly, like so well done they they bring up like her sexuality in this like mm-hmm. they don't need to say that she dates women or anything like, that's not even the point though like the the fact that he goes to this party and he's like trying to help his daughter and he's like banging on this door and he's like i know you're not in there with a man like a guy and it turns out no she's in there with a girl and then like, the only way that they talk about it is is just his response she, she doesn't say anything he says so explain it Berta. i'm I'm trying to understand it. Does this mean that you're uh and she says, I don't know, daddy, maybe. And like, that's really all. And it's just mm-hmm. like, I am just like, I really value subtlety and yeah. I really mm-hmm. feel insulted when people spell things out for me. And that's a particular issue that I think is just so, um, it's handled poorly in comics. I think it a is. lot. Very and often. Yeah. It, this is one of those, like from the last page of the first story, at the end of the first story arc, like, you want to know who Roberta is. Mm-hmm. You want to get to know mm-hmm. more about her. She, you can tell she's, she's going to be meat yeah. and going to be awesome to read, but she's just been parsed out to us so little at a time, but still to the point where I'm just like, I need her. I love her. And this is finally finding out who she is and finding out the entire history of their relationship and why all those voicemails in the beginning mm-hmm. and all that tension in these couple little jumps of their history in the past but without that heavy exposition and heavy like all right we're gonna have this one little moment and it's gonna spell everything Mm -hmm. out for you so you can know it's just they're snippets of life but they happen to actually explain Mm -hmm. why these people are the way they are and have the relationship that they do and that's what like real life is like you don't end up in a situation and have somebody say this is me and i'm this age and at this point i did this and this is how Mm -hmm. like it's no you hear clips of conversations Mm -hmm. you hear somebody say something Mm -hmm. and then you infer and like that's what jason aaron like i guess when i'm talking to people about jason aaron's books at the store like i I just want everyone to read jason aaron's books because i think they're amazing and they're not necessarily the easiest to like sell for people but i always just come back to the term like gray like everything Mm -hmm. about him is gray like nothing is clear nothing is insulting nothing is shallow like it's all like the closest to life i feel like a comic book comes to is is like jason aaron's writing it's it's absolutely astounding do you think Mm -hmm. that that translates over to his marvel stuff too I think it, it seems less gray to me. I think it translates as well as it can. Like, yeah. how gray can a Marvel book be? Thor has mm-hmm. to be the good guy. And I and I don't think that that's even him like pulling punches. I think that like when you've got an editor saying mm-hmm. like, well, hey, 
I get it. You're good at appealing to 15,000 people, but I need you to sell this book to 75,000 right. people. And it's just like, yeah. I need you to like, you can't be as resonant. You can't be so deep. You need to be broad. Right. And, and that's just, I think, one of the punishments of working at the big two. I think for me, a lot of what it is with Aaron is um, I love the gray. I love the grit and the, the rawness that you feel with so much of his stuff. But it's, I feel like I can find something to relate to every character, Absolutely. no matter how broken or how much you can't stand the things that they're doing, there's something that you can, there's that humanity that shows through each character. You can see he how they gives, got there. Yeah. Nobody uh, is good and nobody is bad. Yeah. Everybody, and that's kind of what I mean by gray, like mm-hmm. everybody exists in this between area. And I feel like... Not every character in his Marvel stuff has that same thing, but the the key characters, I still have that thing that I can relate to mm-hmm. with them. I still get mm-hmm. more of a emotional connection than I do with a lot of other big characters and stuff. So I just realized that we went from talking about Southern Bastards, written by Jason Latour, to talking about Jason, talking about Jason Aaron, because yeah. we just can't help but talk about Jason Aaron. Yeah, we got to get him to call in and spell out his name. Can I say quickly the yeah. same scene where um, Earl's talking to Earl Tubbs talking to his daughter Roberta? The art in this week's sequence, part of that subtlety. I love this panel where the the viewer is behind Roberta; she's facing her father, but all you see is. The back of her head, her hair's oh, that flying. Hair shot All you see of him crazy. is his shoulders on either side of her. You don't see their faces. You don't. That's it. It's you don't see his good... face in the no. whole issue. No, and then and then the rest of the panels when she's telling him what the problem is and how and he's just got his hand. He's pinching the bridge of his nose. He's obviously grimacing, trying to grasp what she's telling him, and that goes on for until he walks away and says, "Okay." I won't, you know, I won't keep doing what she was complaining he was doing. That is so beautifully done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's making a Bob Belcher sound while he pinches his nose like this? I don't watch Bob's uh, Damn it, because I'm ruined that page for you. <laughs> and then her stoner friend comes, calls, insults her dad, and she lays Stoners him out. I love garbage. that, too. <laughs> yeah, Man, I, that, there's your daddy issues for yeah, I, yeah, with this podcast. <laughs> um, I, I give this a nine. Yeah, nine. Yep, nine. Definitely. Also, Jason I, Latour, I love you deeply. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, we're not we're not downplaying you. You're just you're you two are, you two are the perfect team, and oh, I can't wait. Lord. I cannot wait to see. Here's a character I don't identify with at all in well, in Southern Bastards, whether whichever Jason is is writing it. Mm-hmm. What's the character that? Oh, he's he's the guy with the monkey. The guy the that's monkey. got rebel tattooed across his neck. He's yeah, the one that's person that bitch. I. Yeah, that guy. I cannot wait to see her torture and kill that cracker dickweed. I hate him. Oh, I hate him. He's horrible. And, he but he's, awful. like, so purely that horrible, yeah. like, yeah. just oh. perfect in his hateableness. Yeah, there was, I almost felt self, for a brief second, felt sorry for Materhead in this. But at the same time, I was thinking, I want to see her do this and worse to that guy. This is the end of the arc, right? <laughs> No, there's one issue yeah. left, and in the end, like the letters page, it's Jason Aaron will be writing the next issue, um, and this arc is called Gut Punch, and apparently the name of that arc is all leading up to the next issue. Hmm. Okay. So I also somehow only with this new artist realized that her her devil dog tattoo is actually in the shape of a heart. Mm. Wait. 
Huh. Is that what that is? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> if you could uh, call in, ask Ooh. us some... Uh, thank you to everybody who called and left a voicemail for Justin. Um, oh, it was really, so... Yeah, that was awesome. Oh, that was um, fun. Thanks, everybody, for bearing with us as the podcasts have become delayed in this crazy month of opening up new stores and having people move away and hiring new people and having and anniversary parties. And... <laughs> it's, it's been nuts. Um, but thank you for bearing with us there. Uh, we'll get this one up real quickly. This is season two. Season two is all about punctuality. There's not oh, going to yeah. be any missing episodes in season <laughs> oh, yeah. two. Um, look forward to a rotating cast of characters. Um, I think Justin will probably be on an episode or two in season two. Um, we need a theme song for Justin. Makes me want to say, yeah, thank you so much to Nick Waite uh, for letting us use his awesome music for this podcast, intro music, outro music, time and time again. Uh, his music is super, super charming, um, and everyone should go check it out on soundcloud.com backslash stemmingway, S-T-E-M-I-N-G-W-A-Y. And that's the song that goes... <laughs> All right, I'm Jeff. I'm Django. I'm Colette. I'm Roman. Colette, thanks for hanging out with us. You guys, you yes, should be you. here more. Thanks was, for having me. Oh, this yeah. This is fun. Yeah, this is great. It's way end. easier than calling in. The end. <laughs>